the conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody exclusive. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Call the ticket quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get by the way. Hello and welcome to episode 227 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. Alex Jones and Jack Harper. Plenty to get into this week. We'll see how we go with time. What we certainly will get into is the uh, protest that caused a stop to Manchester United against Liverpool last night, the European ties that we have this week, and uh, the Premier League Hall of Fame announcing their first two entrants. So before we get there, though, we do have news of the week as per, and then we'll ask Alex his take on uh, our movie madness film for the end of the week i believe tk has only seen one of them so maybe a uh, overbalanced view there if we go off balance view um anyway news of the week insta influencer slammed for painting mask on her face to enter barley's store <laughs> she's now being deported jeez really isn't that big of a deal is it to just put a mask on i don't understand these people Bizarre. Actually, worse to people that wear them but not properly. Like, I'd rather you just not wear one, and we can all judge you than have one like halfway down your nose. Your nose poking out. Yeah. Um, to die when man jumps off building and lands on a woman walking through Petco Park. That's literally the definition of nasty way to go. <laughs> Quite literally, like. I don't want to make too light of the situation because one person has died as they've tried to do. The other person has died unintentionally. When you look up and you see a man hurtling towards you, I can't even imagine how terrifying that must be. <laughs> it's like in Looney Tunes wow. where they'd have um, their anvils fall from the sky. <laughs> Usually on uh, Wiley Coyote. It'd be, it'd be nice if they, the person didn't die and all they got was yeah. a lump on their head that rose exactly. with cuckoo birds flying around it. I know um, Jack's mentioned this with quicksand before but dropping anvils feels like one of those things <laughs> as a kid you probably thought was going to be a bigger problem than it ever has been. <laughs> <laughs> they brought it back for um, when the Lonely Island dropped that YOLO song and I think one of the lyrics <laughs> up there is like essentially don't walk out in public because one of these could drop on you. <laughs> They just rhymed it a bit nicer. Um, we had a question in Krakow. Sorry, Alex. 
Uh, so I'm, I'm gutted I've never ever actually seen a pile of red dynamite labelled TNT as well in my life. <laughs> um, so we had a croissant in Krakow, and uh, this week German police say grenade-shaped item in forest was actually a sex toy. So they had the bomb squad out and all sorts. I don't mean Deontay Wilder. Um, <laughs> How anticlimactic. Florida woman survives being hit by flying turtle. There's a theme to all these this news this week. Oh, uh, I mean, the shine's kind of been taken off that by a man flying through the air just before. So. <laughs> it's a bad week to complain about that. Um, man builds wall of shit after property line dispute with neighbour. Oh, it's actually his own, it's his own shit as well. Oh, really? I actually saw the headline before this. Um, so, yeah, I, I do know that it's human shit, quite literally. There's some dispute as to where one of their houses ends and the other one starts. And so he just started piling up his own shit into a wall. How the that is, how much is he putting out? Honestly, that's no <laughs> mean. I don't know how long it was before. I also don't know. How do you get such a solid structure to it? <laughs> was, it just the, was it just the mortar? Was to the to the bricks. I mean, what? I'd like if he started adjusting his diet to suit. Jesus, it's not working the one week. It's so, so, so solid this week. week. Ne- ne- the news headline by next week is going to be: Man dies from changing his diet to accommodate wall building. Adds a load of corn to his diet. Jesus, fancy um, curry this Friday? Absolutely not. I've got a wall to build. Uh, McDonald's robber demands chicken nuggets, but has to accept a McMuffin because it was still too early. Oh, this was in England as well, not Florida. What? He has what? since been arrested. What did he do? Um, he broke into a McDonald's demanding chicken nuggets, um, <laughs> but it was too early, so they had to give him a, a McMuffin, and then he left. Um, a Russian model trapped on a Chinese reality show was finally voted off after months of self-sabotage. He says he's happy to go home. I don't know what reality show this is. I feel like this could have been on. I can't believe that was on TV. <laughs> I remember watching the episode of uh, Doctor Who when I was younger, where they did all the game shows and like when you got voted off Big Brother, that was you done for. It seems like this is just one level down from that. Like you quite literally can't leave until you're voted out. Curious what the acts of self sabotage were. I don't know. I. I feel like there's enough bad blood there already for a Russian going on a Chinese reality show. You've got to think this doesn't end well. Um, man arrested at Kid Rock's bar for removing colostomy bag and swinging it around his head. <laughs> um, Swiss City offers beggars a one-way train ticket to anywhere in Europe if they agree not to return to Switzerland. <laughs> that's like the South Park episode with uh, the rise of the homeless <laughs> and the Cartman sings California Love at the end to send them away um, <laughs> my favourite headline this week <laughs> Denver has opened its very first gay sports bar named Tight End <laughs> 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 I 
I feel like that's what they literally just thought of that joke, and that's the sole reason they've gone to the, to the distance now of opening the actual bar. Yeah, um, they didn't even want to open a sports bar. <laughs> <laughs> they, just, they just had the idea and ran with it. Um, inmate, who, inmate who hid gun in her vagina gets 10 years. When I first read that, I read it as inmate hid gun in her vagina for 10 years. And it was a much <laughs> different story. Again, we're, getting, we're getting a lot of spark vibes from... I know. <laughs> with the Oprah Winfrey. Towley, yeah. You ninja. <laughs> and finally, Italian driver forgets to apply handbrake. His $400,000 Ferrari slips into Lake Garda. Oh, dear. If there's, if there's a lake you wanted to slip into, it is probably Lake Garda. I don't know if your insurance covers that. <laughs> so there we go. There's your news of the week. Before we carry on, Alex, the films we have for Movie Madness this week are 2004's King Arthur against Skyfall. Um, I that is that's tough because Skyfall for me is. The better film but i again you know i like my my history based films so i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with king arthur um and jack if you wondered how uh, kind of into this um, sean was he was on a night out on saturday night messaging me about king arthur and whether it can go through <laughs> i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that I don't know whether what I think it was back in sixth form where all of us bonded over this film because it, it isn't just him. I mean, you obviously really like it. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm a bit scared to rewatch it after the Mummy. I'm a bit scared. I, I will admit that. Yeah, I, oh, I I think I rewatched it not too long ago. Um, I don't think anything's changed for it for me from Have it. You rewatched the Mummy recently. Uh, the first one. Yeah. No, not in some Don't time. Do it. Don't do See, it. I got really excited because I thought it was the Guy Ritchie King Arthur. But I, I don't understand. And then it turns out that I'm the actually only person on this planet that likes that film. <laughs> yeah, literally nobody has ever had that reaction to that film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, the, was the Guy really Ritchie good. King Arthur. The Guy Ritchie King Arthur was dreadful. One of the worst films I've ever seen at the cinema. <laughs> yeah. Tell me that they filmed it like Snatch to start with, and I think it's pretty cool. The payoff was he had a, a flaming sword yeah, at the end of it. I mean, he is King Arthur. He's a, he's a magical... Uh, I must have missed that in King I Arthur. It. it looked like um, that, Lord of, that Lord of the Rings Shadow of Mordor game. That's literally what the last scenes look like. Yeah, it does. I mean, admittedly, it does get a bit odd towards the end. However, it's a magical, mythical tale. We should have known what was going on when they spent that long kind of pushing the David Beckham cameo. Yeah, it, that is a bit too long. But even like all the press beforehand wasn't like we've made a cracking film here. It was, we've got David Beckham in this. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't seen his uh, Aladdin, but I hear that's just as bad as well. Guy Ritchie, that. that is. Um the, the picture Smith of Will Smith, Smith was enough for me. No, I still haven't seen that myself. I remember hearing him when he, he did um, Joe Rogan's podcast, and he's actually quite good on there. 
But when he said on there, look, I'm actually working on Aladdin at the moment, I was like, Christ, oh, this, <laughs> this cannot be good. <laughs> so there we go. Um, we'll see how it goes this week. And then I'll actually just ask Keenan because we've got Star Wars next week. And I asked him if he's ever watched Star Wars before, if he's going straight in. He says he's seen the original three jacks. So that's what we're working off. Nice. I've just sent him two uh, videos and an update that won't mean anything to anyone other than you, TK. I've just had an email from the uh, place we ordered from in Milan, the pizzeria. <laughs> Have we told this on the podcast before? No, you we, haven't. So we were going to the Milan game. We went for a walk around uh, Milan in the day, left ourselves very little time. So we went on Uber Eats and you kind of think anywhere in Milan is going to be like a good pizza kind of thing. Um, we couldn't really translate the menu so I think, did you order a different one, TK? I know certainly th- at least three of us ordered one that was just called American. Yeah, no, like, I, think we, is, I think we just got the same thing. Yeah, this is going to be just kind of pretty standard pepperoni meats or whatever. We turned up and to say what they think of Americans, it was sausage and chips on a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> no exaggeration, quite literally sausage and chips on a pizza. It was actually quite nice. Heavy on the chips as well. It was actually a good pizza. <laughs> but it was just opening that's the box up pizza. and seeing that was like, I don't know what's going on here. That, yeah, that's not a pizza. I'm yeah, surprised actual, anywhere in Italy sold that. The quality of the pizza was still great. It's just the fact they just had chips on something. It's just weird. Jesus. It was yeah. basically just the, the place that was going to deliver the quickest. Well, it was Did you ever take one of the only of places open. Everything was closed, yeah. obviously. It was, this was only, I think, about half five, like, six at the time. Yeah. And they don't eat till like eight. So. Did did um did did any of you take a photo of it? I'm sure one of us must have, but I can't find the picture if I took it. So yeah. it is it is funny though. I I've been caught out in Italy before, like with everything opening, like <laughs> roundabouts when yeah, you this go was to bed. Uh, yeah, because we had to get to the San Siro, obviously, it was like half yeah. seven or whatever. So we were fucked. Yeah, I yeah. just I just walked oh, yeah. around. I walked around when I was over there. I just walked around. For the few days I was all over there, thinking that it was like a ghost town and like nobody was there yeah, anymore, yeah, like yeah. a dead ta- dead town. But <laughs> come, come, come nine nine o'clock, it's buzzing again. T- yeah, yeah, exactly. TK got reeled in with the. Look, I want to give you this bracelet. You're not going to charge me for it, are you? He's like, no. It, just I take was this physically bracelet. apprehended. I was literally, <laughs> literally, he put it on me. It was like I was getting a. I don't know, like I was going to get sold afterwards. <laughs> yes, me, Sean and Sam weren't particularly good back up there either, so if that was his plan, he I didn't have much yeah. resistance from us. <laughs> it would have been like taken, but if nobody actually bothered trying to save it. <laughs> Just... How much do you think you'd have been bought for if it was like taken? I think a pretty low fee. I don't think anyone's coughing <laughs> up a lot, to be honest. All right, we'll move on. A um... depressingly low fee. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So if we start with uh, the football yesterday and then we'll go into the European games because kind of they're next week, so we'll go in order. So for those that had the misfortune of watching Arsenal-Newcastle yesterday, for as bad of a game that was, and it does show you how bad the game was, they actually cut to showing protests in the middle of the game. The game wasn't <laughs> stopped for any reason, and they still cut to the other game to show it. So that's, that's your first... Um, visualisation I, there. So. I can't believe they did that. That's so yeah. disrespectful. Yeah, I mean, the the game and from someone that had an interest in it, I wasn't complaining. 
Um, <laughs> like usually with Arsenal, regardless of who you play, and they do give you at least a little something to keep you there because it's one nil or something. And this was as, as blunt a Newcastle side as as I've ever seen. But they show these protests in the middle of the game. They kind of float the idea out. The game may be delayed, and we go from there. The game finishes. They tell us the game isn't going to kick up at four thirty. And then we're showing that people are on the pitch at Old Trafford. And I guess it kind of unraveled from there. So the statement that Man United put out, we know now that the game was called off. They say, our fans are passionate about Manchester United and we completely acknowledge the right to free expression and peaceful protest. However, we regret the disruption to the team and actions which put other fans, staff and the police in danger. We thank the police for their support and will assist them in any subsequent investigations. Greater Manchester Police put a statement out saying um, one officer required emergency hospital treatment after sustaining a significant slash wound to his face from a thrown bottle and police added the bottles and barriers were thrown at horses and that the United staff had to lock themselves in rooms as protesters breached the Old Trafford security cordon. Now, we've seen protests from Four of the three of the six clubs have Liverpool protested? Yeah, uh, I don't they, think they put some banners well, out. I don't think they've had a home game. No, they, they no, put some banners out the and thing, removed okay, yeah. their banners from the cop. So we've we've seen three protests so far. We saw the Chelsea one, which kicked it off, where they blocked in the coach. We saw the Arsenal one before the Everton game. Um, we saw the United one yesterday. I'm not sure we're counting the Spurs one. I was going to say, we're not counting that one. (laughs) I mean, Alex can have the final say if we're counting it, but I'm not sure you want to claim that one. Two blokes turned up with their guitars, for God's sake. (laughs) So, we've seen it across them, and they have kind of escalated as they've gone through. The Chelsea one may have got a bit more out of hand, but Petr Cech came out and uh, put things put things to rest. Um, and in all fairness, and we can get onto that, I think the Chelsea one was pretty cut and dry. Like they were protesting the Super League, whereas the other protests do seem to be a bit greater. Where it's they're protesting the ownership. So the Arsenal one, even after being out, was uh, cronky out. There was thousands there around the stadium. Police did come and. Uh, kind of put people away in the end but I think it remained relatively peaceful Um, the Spurs one as we said and then this one the United fans did go up a notch where they broke into the stadium and ran around the pitch I don't know what everyone's thoughts are because we've spoken on here before about protests and people complain that they've been disrupted by them and think well that kind of is the point of a protest but Graham Soonis was saying they should have just stood with their backs to the coaches and that would have sent the same message. I'm not so sure. Yeah, Graham Soonis was on one, wasn't he? Um, he was angry. For, for a guy that's run through the centre of a pitch sporting a Galatasaray flag and stabbing it straight into the centre circle, he's got a very harsh view on what's peaceful protest and what isn't. He's had a heart attack as well. I think, but I get his his take was, and I do see his stance at this stage where he was saying it was almost being covered up as if they weren't 
going to talk about it, the fact that a flare had been dashed at them and a bottle had been dashed at them. Um, and I imagine if you are in his space, they're probably quite annoyed because it seems if people were locking themselves away, the pundits, I don't know if they were stuck on the gantry or what, they clearly <laughs> had nowhere to go. But I think most people, especially his personality, for what you know as it is, aren't going to be looking at the bigger picture when they had a flare whiz past their head. Well, I think people were expecting a bit much when they expected him to just kind of brush it off. I suppose, yeah, that is true. <clears throat> and, and you kind of needed someone, him to bring that up. And everybody else was just essentially going, here you go, lads. Yeah, I'm fully on board. I'm with you. You needed some sort of balance to this thing, other than Dave Jones trying to uh, sort of play the company man and play devil's advocate. Well, then Carrier said to him, didn't he? I know you've got to play devil's advocate. He's, I'm not playing devil's advocate. Yeah, he kind of played himself there because he did just make himself look like a prude, didn't he? By yeah. uh, by basically saying, this isn't the faults of my employer, this is me. Uh, which, how true that is or not, I think you can probably take a pinch of salt. So I think none of us have an issue with there being a, a protest, do we? I mean, no, they I, protest their I, ownership. I, then... I think there was a large amount of them that were there. That, oh, sorry, Jack. I don't want to get muted again, so you, can I talk? Or, <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna just meet me? <laughs> Maybe let him go first, Alex. <laughs> Do you wanna go first before you meet me or No, I I think um uh, I think there were a large amount of people there, not there to protest. They just wanted to have a bit of a scrap, get onto the Manchester well, get into the Manchester United ground, say they'd been on the old Trafford pitch and put the ball in the back of the net, which was evident when you looked at the footage of some of the people inside the stadium. It wasn't as if they, you know, got in there, made a stance or a sign or made like a organized message in there. They just got in there and messed around on the pitch, did some damage, kicked the ball in the net, where we saw some pretty horrendous footage. So I, I think I have a problem. I don't have a problem with the protest, but I have a problem with a bunch of yobbos trying to get inside the pitch just uh, for a scrap and cause a lot of damage. I, I don't I, think I, they turned I, up with the intention to get on the pitch. I, I do no. find it funny though that when people say no one wants to see these scenes, but it's like when there's a scrap in a football match or something kicks off, so like, oh, no one wants to see this. It's like this is exactly what we want to see. <laughs> this is this is everything. Even well, if football matches, we'd rather have been this. watching United Liverpool though afterwards. It depends some of those games. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> you wouldn't compla- have the right to complain about it afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I think it could actually fall into Liverpool's hands a little bit. I think having a big game against United where at the moment there isn't, doesn't seem like a lot to play for, but a few more teams around them drop points and then this gets rearranged at the end of the season. If this is a game where Liverpool need to get top four and Man United haven't got anything to play for, this could be a completely different game to what it would be, what it would have been yesterday. But I haven't spoken to any Liverpool fans that were confident going into that game. Um, has, there been, has there been any, um, has there been any backlash from, um, have they come up with the, when the revised fixture is going to be? No, not yet. Not yet. Um, but and the fixture, the fixture congestion is quite large and with United being in the Europa League, you would, con- you would conceive it would probably be towards the end of the season because it's already congested as it is. Mm. Well, I saw a lot of the statements coming out with it. United fans wouldn't be. I know Liam Gallagher tweeted out saying, "If United were winning the league, they wouldn't be protesting like this." And for some balance, there. I mean, they have been protesting for years. They haven't been protesting quite to this extent. Um, uh, 
when the Glazers kind of came in, the first thing they did was put them in £540 million worth of debt by the way that they refinanced essentially the buyout that they did. Um, people were complaining that they'd only come in to commercialise it and take advantage of the brand that United is, which I, I don't really think they were ever going to pretend otherwise there. So they say conservative estimates suggest that the debt payments and share dividends have seen over one billion taken out of the club under Glazer ownership, which contrasts the actions of Manchester City owner um, Sheikh Mansour, who's poured over one billion in since his purchase of the club in 2008. Um, the Glazers had come out again through sources and said, look, they they won't be selling. They hold being the owners of Manchester United in quite high prestige. Um, and the United supporters will point towards uh, during Alex Ferguson's last season, they were still protesting then. On the other hand, some of us may point towards when we're protesting and uh, say, if it's coming down to spend on players, which usually when you criticise an owner, it's for not spending the money. Since Fergie retired in 2013, United's net spend on new players at £742 million is only second to Man City. Mm. so you could say they, they've done their job there United say they don't just want a change of ownership this was their uh, supporters group but they want reform of football governance to ensure supporters of all clubs can have a voice on issues such as ticket prices and kickoff times um, as well as preventing unscrupulous owners taking charge of clubs that have been rooted in communities for over 100 years if we go to you TK I don't, I don't know how you feel I don't have too much of an issue with rich owners in football, mainly because we all dream of having a fan owner at our club. That's very mm. rare. Even mm. Abramovich wasn't coming in as a fan of Chelsea. He was just had a, he wanted to obviously have a successful football club, whereas most owners don't see that. Usually these successful businessmen don't get to that stage, make their billions and then say, I also want to give away hundreds of millions on, on no. players. It doesn't no. seem to work like that. So I guess it's just finding some balance. For sure. And look, I, I agree with the protest. Um, the There's no getting away from the fact that the fact that they're a shit team now has amplified it. There isn't. I know they were protesting before, but singing a few songs in the crowd is very different to this. You were kind of happy enough to just sing your songs and protest when you were good. Now that you're shit, it's obviously a lot more serious. So no point in denying that. That is what it is. Uh, I think the wider points that they're protesting against are right. But I, I can't help but watch what they, they're saying they want, what Gary Neville's saying, as much as I agree with everything Neville said he wants, and think the horse has bolted. This is too late. It ain't going to happen. You yeah. can't. This is their property. They own it. No one's going to be able to afford to take it off them. The 50 plus one thing with the fans, fantastic idea. Everybody should have it. But we can't now. It's done. No fan group's going to be able to afford it. We can't do what the German clubs do because we've already been taken over and are worth hundreds of millions of pounds apiece. So as in an ideal world, in this idyllic world that Gary Neville paints, all these reforms and regulations would come in, and they should, but it ain't going to. So as much as the, I agree with the protest, I don't really know what it's going to achieve. I'm not the most uh, kind of business savvy either with the terms, but as as far as I'm aware, most of these clubs aren't even like public limited companies. Like, there's no way you can even pressure them into selling. Like this guy that that supposedly wants to buy Arsenal, there's no way he can kind of 
put the pressure on no. financially other than sitting down and saying this is my offer because he does own it 100%. There's nothing that you can do. Not in the way that Kroenke did, for example, where he no. was just able to buy people's shares as it were, happened with Liverpool and Man United as well. The the other thing, that being, is you, you said about the... The Glazers are obviously bad for United in terms of the debt they've sold with the club and also the money they take out, which is more than any other owners quite comfortably. But there is some balance to be struck in terms of you know the narrative going around with this at the moment is, well, they don't actually put their money in because the money Man United spend, as much as there's a lot of it, it's because the club makes money. Well, there's two things. One, under their tenure, their sort of commercial side has grown yeah. hugely and they're making... They're a, huge, they're a huge brand anyway, but they've expanded that to the point where other clubs are following the model in terms of how to become this global brand and to make the money. So part of the reason they make so much money is because of the Glazers. And also, this is a business where once all your employees are paid and you've got money for your turnover or whatever, in a normal business, the owners would be taking this money out and would be taking all the profits because that's you know what greedy rich people yeah. do. So the fact that they do still have money to spend each transfer is in effect taking their money as much as it isn't directly I'm making a bank transfer to you for a hundred million pounds of my money. In that, in respect, it is theirs. Their way of kind of calling the owners greedy is different to most others as well. Like I, I say it for only compared to Arsenal because that's the club I support, obviously. We They're the most obvious comparison to, as well. Yeah, kind of give our owners a pat on the back because they paid 50 million for Thomas Party, which I don't think, and I'll, I'll get a lot of flack for that, that the Cronkies are quite as bad as is made out by some Arsenal fans, but I don't think they're good for football either. Whereas United no. were calling their owners cheap because they wouldn't just put 120 million down on Jaden Sancho. <laughs> so there is some yeah. difference there in, in what they do. Although I do admit it would be slightly amplified for me if, Tottenham were spending a billion since 2013. So I can see kind of both sides of it there. And the problem for United is that, yeah, you've got across the road, obviously City, their owners are what they are in terms of the money they can pump in, the success City have had. And with Liverpool, you've got American owners who came in and did things completely differently to the Glazers in terms of didn't saddle them with the debt, love the debt that United have and got decisions right in terms of when they do spend money spending it right which isn't necessarily on the owners but they've also put a structure in place where that can happen yeah. which the Glazers clearly have never been able to achieve Liverpool bought cheap as well didn't they their owners they only paid about 300 million didn't they I mean yeah I mean if you look at what the club is worth then and what it's worth now yeah insane but... the thing is as well with for all the United fans protests on players they wanted to buy the the, the owners to buy there was a huge drive not too long ago for United to go back to their roots of developing in like a, another 90, a class of 94 squad. You know, it's from the grassroots up, you know, not spending these huge amounts of money on players that turn out to be unsuccessful. You know, Pogba at his worst and Di Maria at his worst. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's was a lot of chat on, you know, let's grow these players, let's get back to United, United of old. A developing of the players. at the moment. Look at yeah, they do. They do, but it's like it's like which 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 side of the coin do you want? Or you know, it's you can't really have. You can have both to a certain extent. You could have a balance of both, but it's there's protests in one direction and then protests in the other. I don't think they're getting either though. I think it's probably their 
their issue, isn't it? I think they they can expect to have a balance of those two things, and they're not really getting either. But yeah, I I do think it's not entirely the owner's fault that some of the big money coaches hadn't worked out. <clears throat> and I do wonder, had they, would these protests be as serious as they are? Because all the the reasons behind the protests are all absolutely agreeable and sort of morally and ethically, I think, are obviously uh, the things you should be protesting for. But that kind of seems to be kind of a mask for we're really unhappy with how we're not winning things at the minute, which is kind of everyone who's not winning is unhappy. So it gets a bit The fact that, you know, the the big money players that didn't work out, um, you know, saying that it's not the owner's fault that they didn't work out. I was trying to go along the lines of what I was saying with Levy the other week, but um, you know, nobody nobody was going to turn around and say Pogba was a bad signing at the time. I mean, we saw what he was doing at I Juventus. I think we all did. I don't yeah. think you can compare Levy though, because Levy no, has I'm not, far I'm not, more I'm, of an I, influence I, than Glazer. Yeah, he couldn't tell he you does. two United and, players. Yeah. And I would bet as well that the Glazer. I, I would expect Levy to maybe be a little bit more educated in football than. Perhaps the Glazers. Um, well, I, I think so. the Glazers. Yeah, yeah. It's you, you, it's sort of you know the Glazers ultimately can employ people to advise them on where to spend their money from a footballing perspective, um, just isolating it to the purchase of players. But so you know ultimately it's it's their call on who they trust in their opinions. But you know it's you can't all the signings that haven't worked out for United. None of that is the owner's fault. So, I mean, they've if just literally provi- they've provided the resources, and the wrong decisions were made, or the wrong the result the wrong result happened in terms of what the player turned out to be. If you're if you're Stan Kroenke or you're the Glazers, you look and from your point of view, you're quite openly saying, "I don't know anything about this," which may be your first issue to start up. But if we ignore that, so you're saying, "I've delegated this to." Ed Woodward in United's case or at Arsenal it's been a number of names where they tried going with um, Ralph Sanyehi they had um, oh, I forgot the guy's name who it was who went from <clears throat> Arsenal to Milan but um, he was just as bad and now you've got Benoit van Kateshim and there's a number of these who they've put in place because Ivan Gazidis who I was thinking of they're supposed to know more and they're still making the bad decisions. So from their point of view, they're saying it's not quite on them, but I think there's, there's some kind of mix. I don't really know what they can do to put it in place. Uh, if we go to Jack, because Jack, I assume you want to get these rich owners out of football as much as the rest of us. <laughs> it's funny because I saw Rory Jennings. Right? It, I thought I've had it. Your mute. boy. I thought I've had him muted all over the place. <laughs> crept onto my timeline today slagging off um, Roman Abramovich and I've just kind of thought that we're like one of the only people that are genuinely happy with their owner I wouldn't want another owner we're pissed off about the Super League he realised it, he took us out of it and that's the only mistake he's made in the last 20 years of owning us really um, I look at the Glazers what about Bakayoko? <laughs> I mean we've made some very questionable <laughs> But again, he still stumps up the money. He still pays yeah, the yeah. money. So I've, I've, when it comes to a transfer window, it's always about who we're going to get, who do I think we can get. It's never, are we going to spend the money or not? It's never that. It's not the question. He runs Chelsea. Is, he wants a success factory. He can just make success at any cost, quite literally, where he'll pump his money in. And he's got, his, to be fair, we're the only team that registered in 
ESL that it hasn't actually confirmed any debt or in profit, which I do query because obviously there's, <laughs> there's there's ways of hiding money and laundering it and hmm. stuff like that. And I'm not accusing them of doing that either. I'm just saying that I do he query never... the debt whatsoever. But the way he runs the club, the money that he pumps in himself, I am pretty content with him as a manager. I wouldn't want anyone else as the owner of the club. I look at the Glazers and I think I've struggled in the past years to understand why the United fans hate them so much when I see them spending the money they do on Pogba, the money they do on wages for, if it was like Di Maria, where they got one free, but the wages were astronomical. And it's like I look at the Harry Maguire side and I think. They spent more on Harry Maguire than Liverpool did on Virgil van Dijk. And it's just literally luck of the draw, whether which way they turned out. And they're two very different signings. But I look at... Arsenal, luck of the draw seems a stretch, but yeah. Like, yeah you, know what, you know what I mean, though? Like, <laughs> no, I do know they're, what you they're, mean. They're stumping the money up and it's not up to them whether it's a good sign. Whether it's the right man, yeah. Exactly. They are putting the money in. I would... If I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be much more pissed off because they literally are not striving for success and they are driving the club further and further down the table whereas United they've had their best season in years and it's not really been down to the ownership of them not challenging it's just the void that was left by Sir Alex Ferguson was just so large it has taken them pretty much 10 years to try and claw any of that back. In fairness we we have spent money I won't say on that side they don't spend money the issue is one, the people that they have in place to spend it, like, and, and the times they spend it, you look at when we should have won the league the year Leicester won it, and then they added um, literally nobody. Uh, El Neni, I think, was who they added, and uh, Lucas Perez and Mustafi, actually. Um, so the issue there is the selling side of it and the net spend, we're, we're going to be quite high up when you look at the, the amount spent by clubs in the last however long, but it's because the signings have been that bad. We've had to pay them to leave. <laughs> the, the last, we Socrates, Sil, Mustafi, Kalasanach, we've had to pay to leave in the last window. So there's an, there's an issue there, and that's an ownership thing when you have people that don't care about football. Some say that Josh Kroenke, Stan's son, actually it does have quite the interest in Arsenal, and so... Uh, when he bites the dust, we might go on a Roman spree, but uh, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see if that happens. If we go on to the kind of coverage of this when it was going on, because I understand they had about two hours to kill. I mean, they could have just put Sky Sports News on maybe, but um, we had a combination of... Roy Keane was strangely calm. I thought if anyone, if the flare had been dashed, considering he was next to Sudis up that way, He'd have been a bit angrier, despite he was just saying, look, there's always going to be a couple of idiots. I do wonder if they were at Anfield and that happened, if he'd have been quite the same. Mm, yeah, um, I, I think the fact that the rabble were chanting, Kino, Kino. Yeah, played into his ego, didn't it? Soonest yeah. <laughs> was obviously fuming, and Gary Neville's still going on saying people are angry because they were trying to destroy English football. I don't think anyone cares about the Super League anymore. I don't... I think Neville just doesn't want his, his shine to, <laughs> to, to be uh, diminished at all. Does anyone still care about the Super League? Well, they, they were squeezing it in on every single bit of commentary that they could do. 
it, it, it's funny because I've looked at it and I've taken kind of the emotion out of it now that we're not in anymore and we're not going to face any repercussions that I can see yet um, from going into it. And I was looking at it and I'm thinking the format is identical to the new Champions League format. So they've obviously what they've done is they thought, right, we know the Champions League format's going to change. We'll just change it so it's in our favour instead of asking for handouts from UEFA. I think these rich owners have thought there's absolutely no way if this is sustainable when you think of like Mina Raiola getting £40 million payments for transfers for paying £300,000 a week for stars because that's now the going rate for a star. They've thought that, oh, well, what the fans want is all the best teams in the world playing each other and this is the way to make it sustainable and not spend any of our own money. That's why they've done it. And I look at like the Champions League and it's the heritage side of it, which I spoke about, and what would win in the ESL actually mean. But I genuinely think that they didn't want to destroy this rule. I think they were just so naive that they were like, well, this, this is what everyone wants. This is everyone from the players and all the nice things. From a percentage standpoint, how many of the 100% of United fans that were going in yesterday do you think were there predominantly on the basis that they they were disgusted by the Super League? I think it's, you, with the United... 30%. It's, it's a lot more deep-rooted. That high? It? 30%. It's a, lot, it's a lot more deep-rooted, though, because I think the ESL was the, the touch paper that you liked. Yeah, it was just a trigger, wasn't it? That was and then the rest of it was just... I don't even think it's that. Own, they already hated their owner. Mm. This was just another reason to kind of spark... They protest again. So I think I did. I did crack you don't up. Get... I did Sorry. crack up when oh, there was still that little bit of fan competitiveness when you had fat United fans tweeting, "This is how you do a protest, Liverpool." Or, this is how you do a <laughs> yeah, protest. Right. Everyone, like, I think, was looking at uh, Spurs there. Well, I don't, I don't <laughs> think you get. I don't think you get the Arsenal protest without the effectiveness scene of the Chelsea one. I don't think you get the United one without seeing the Arsenal one. And so the Super League may have helped kind of kick that off, but I don't think the majority of the people protesting were because of the Super League. I think, as kind of said, they were sick of the owners and this was just an excuse to voice that. It's, it's like when you're annoyed with someone and you try and argue with them and they don't argue back. And it's the most frustrating thing because you want to say your piece, but you don't have the opportunity to. So in this situation, they just kind of gave them the opportunity to be able to argue back and this is what we got. Yeah, and I think you could. it's pretty clear to see in terms of the nature of that process. I know Jack touched on the Chelsea one earlier. It is, there's a very clear distinguish between how much they hate the Super League and there was nothing about like Roman or anything. Because, I, you know, as kind of Mika Richards touched on with City, they don't want to bite the hand that feeds. They know the score. No. They, they like their owners. They think it's, it's they're fine. So the Chelsea process is very clearly about the Super League. This yeah. was... Very clearly, not really. I don't think there was barely reference to the Super League. Like you said, I know Neville kept bringing it back up, but yeah. if that was, you know, maybe five percent to do with what they were kicking off about. My thing with the Arsenal was like, we want these, we want these lads to spend two hundred million in a couple of weeks. Well, let's not that, piss them off now and tell them how much we ate them. I did find that enjoyable. That you talked about the coverage, Sky and their filler, literally without pausing went from saying how evil and terrible these owners are to, what do United need in the summer then, Roy? And, oh, well, I think they should spend on Jack Grealish and a world-class centre-back. Okay, yeah, the, the owners are going to be enticed to do that. 
when <laughs> when Soonis bit when he was saying about buying fouls and he said, I hate it when people say that, I thought he was going to bite at him saying he's a United type of player because I hate that. And instead it was in a lot of fouls, but I thought he was about to go off on one and I was about to cheer him on. And then, yeah, that was one that people could have got behind a lot more. His thing about buying fouls, like it's, it's not simulate. When you look at the players that do get fouled the most, I don't think it is for diving in a lot of cases. As I mean, I thought it was a case of they're looking to fill time here. He, I don't know whether he thought he wanted to open up a debate about what, he just thought we're going down this avenue we're going to talk about diving and stuff because I've got passionate thoughts about that what, what did you think um, TK with Carragher because I didn't know if he was going to get pushed back when he was comparing media coverage to these protests to Hillsborough I thought oh, I'm not sure this is the way you want to go down I thought it was um I, I I thought it was quite calculated what he did actually. I thought that whole thing was uh you know the thing where he said, I don't like when rival fans use it as a chance to point score. I thought that was quite a, a very clear uh indication of what he thought people do with Liverpool fans of Hillsborough. I think I thought that was pretty clear night and day, uh what he was trying to do. And as much as he was trying to make it appear like he was going out to bat for the United fans, I thought the the true intention behind what he was saying was pretty obvious, I thought. Yeah, because obviously, and I, I did get what they were saying. I thought the point he's making was valid, but I think the reasoning behind what he was doing it was, uh, yeah. well, hang on, whenever my club's fans do something, you're all quick to jump on their yeah. back. So if I support our biggest rivals fans, then in theory, you shouldn't be able to do it next time. It doesn't really work like that. Because when God, was saying, you're going to get a couple of village idiots every time, it is absolutely true. Any protest you see, there is always going to be someone and they are always going to be the ones that take the media coverage. But any large group, like you said, you know, kind of get on that out. <laughs> it was a weird way of going around it because I guess, as you yeah, said, very. they needed someone to be the devil's advocate in this case. And it was Soonis and then uh, Dave Jones. It comes yeah, across a lot better when it's Soonis, doesn't it? Because we expect it from with Dave Jones. It sounds so like preaching. It, it does. I think that was my whole thing with the coverage, to be honest, was that that was why I was, even if I didn't agree with students, I was glad there was some form of pushback because there was very, uh, it was very holier than thou sort of coverage. And Dave Jones saying, well, we don't want any violence or whatever. Uh, yeah, Neverland Keane saying, right to protest. We live in a country that's right to protest. Like, yes, we know all these things. That's lovely. That's great. But we're not really coming to Sky Sports for moral guidance. <laughs> we're I thought okay you might have been scared are. off after when he pulled up Neville when he was saying about the racism stuff and he was like, well, I've got to say, these are the views of you and not of, and not of Sky Sports. I thought he looked was... scared off there. And that's ridiculous. Whenever like, someone makes a vaguely political comment, he has to do that. Oh, well, people can form their own opinions. They don't need to be told, oh, well, there is another side to this argument. We know. It's fine. We know what Gar- Gary Neville's thoughts are. We don't need someone else sitting on the <laughs> other side saying, oh, by the way, Gary doesn't speak for everybody here. My worst is people who are kind of C or D list celebrities who have in their bio like tweets on my own opinions and not that. Nobody's that fussed about your opinions. <laughs> if we go from that and we'll talk about some actual football that was played and will be played. So if we go through the order of the games, so we'll get to Chelsea Madrid, Jack. But if we start with Man City against PSG, um, 
first leg we had, PSG in the first halves against Bayern and Man City have put in two of the best performances I've seen without scoring as many as they yeah. should have. And yeah. City then come out in the second half, they get two goals, one from a goalkeeping error, one from a hole in the wall. And Gary Lineker is saying it's one of the best performances for an English side away in Europe that he's ever seen. <laughs> I don't know what hey, everyone else's stats. I think Lilligan's slipping, isn't he? It? it was a good game. It was it was a good game to watch. It just looked like PSG didn't perform as well in the second half. Yeah, I mean, it looked for all the world that I was sat there thinking, if we do make it through the second half, I do not want to face this PSG team. And then by the end of it, I had us beaten PSG in my mind all ends up. It was just it was the weirdest game I've ever seen. It shows that if you can keep the ball away from PSG, if you don't let them have it their own way, if you keep possession of the ball, then their front two are not going to press. Neymar and Mbappe are not pressing. But what they will do is hit you where it hurts on the break when you do lose the ball. But I just couldn't believe that they were running City ragged to the point where I thought it was going to be 3-0 before half-time. And then they just stopped playing at half-time. I just... N- nothing was the same. And without you, to, that, I'm going to refrain from saying that terrible, terrible cliche of it's a game of two halves, but... <laughs> but it was. But it say was, it, say it. It, it. it was genuinely... <laughs> it was like I was two, watching two different games. Alex, do you well, think... It's, um, it's, it's, yeah, go do on. Do you think Poch maybe... Uh, infected him with a bit of spursiness at half time and that's what we saw <laughs> well it's a game of two legs so uh... <laughs> I'm getting some rustling from one of you and we can't blame Sean today or Keenan <laughs> it's, uh, it's a game of two legs so uh, we'll see what happens in the second leg I mean to be honest um, for all the praise that City are getting for their performance at this stage in the competition and I'll be saying the same about the Chelsea game PSG are definitely one of those sides that you need to put them down for good when you've got the chance to. And the fact that particularly when they went down to 10 men in the second half, they weren't able to get at least a couple more goals just to put that bit more out of reach and just put that certainty behind the match. You know, they could easily live to regret that very quickly because to say that PSG are incapable of scoring two goals away at City is, is a stretch. So I think... From a perspective, it does look like there is a bit of bottleness, bottle, bodily nature about that PSG side, particularly the way they handled themselves in the last 20 minutes or so. Neymar was lucky to stay on the pitch. Um, there was a real lack of discipline in the squad, which does bring back memories of watching Spurs <laughs> against another English side. Um, but uh, but yeah, I um, it was a disappointing performance from PSG from a discipline aspect. Uh, but I think City really could have done better to close out the match. For all the praise that Foden got, he should have really put that one chance that he had that he knocked straight at the keeper in the back of the net. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens in the second leg. TK, so um, Pep did an interview after the game yesterday and he said when he speaks to his team this week, he's not even going to mention PSG. Um, there's nothing they need to do differently to face a PSG side. Do you think City should be changing the way they play to play PSG or...? business as usual no he's got the right idea in terms of what he's telling them I think he's got to pump them with confidence um, talking about the other team too much is normally the quickest way to upset players get in their head make them think hang on they're not better than us and when you beat them 2-1 you, you've got the right to think that 
it's funny AJ says about um, you need to put PSG away. I was thinking the exact opposite in terms of about City. I thinking that first half PSG have. Similar how, how I thought it might come back to bite them against Bayern. I was watching yeah, it thinking, you can't play like this and let these guys off the hook. They're not going to let you dominate them too much. And when you've got them on the ropes, you've got to put them away. And I, I do think that is potentially what's going to be PSG's undoing. In terms of, you could really get in City's head as well in terms of their previous Champions League record. If they'd stuck two or three on them in that first half, the questions quickly are pouring out about are they going to do it again? Is this Champions League sort of a hoodoo in Pep's head? And instead, they obviously throw it away. They, they did show a lack of discipline at the end. And I thought Idrissa Gay getting sent off was probably the worst aspect of the defeat, I thought, in terms of obviously a 2-1 loss isn't ideal, but you can turn it around. I do think he's the guy in there that they need for breaking the play up and getting amongst City's players. I don't know who else in that PSG team is going to be able to do it like he can. Well, Mbappe, it looks like, is at least a doubt for the game. Um, came off injured at the weekend. He was pictured limping onto the plane um, this morning. So they could be without him too. That's not a deal. If you had to put your money down now, TK, would it be going on City or PSG? I'd be going on City. Yeah, I, I think um, they were let off the hook. Uh, and... I just don't see a way in which I don't I, I know think... how much better PSG can be than they were in that no, first I think... half. And they seem to kind of be able to get away with playing with their food. I don't think you can do that against City. I think PSG going into the second leg aren't going to be changing anything tactically. I think they're relying on individual brilliance from their standout players, which unfortunately is why Mbappe is such a big miss because even in those closing few minutes when they were down to 10 men, there were times when Mbappe was sort of running at the city defenders and he was in that area around the box and it felt dangerous. So I think it's more of a, you don't check, neither managers change anything tactically. You just, you, you roll your dice and you hope that the outcome's different this time and PSG can put away some moments of individual brilliance. Jack, if you're Pep Guardiola this week, um, do you start Fernandinho? Do you start Rodri? Do you start both? I think... You start both, in my opinion, because PSG have to come out. That's a Chelsea man right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think if you start, if you started both and you really kind of shored up the midfield, made sure you won the midfield battle, knowing that PSG are going to have to come out and know that they're going to have to score, and one City goal means they have to score once, it would be twice to take a look and three times to win, and you've got enough pace on those wings to really hurt them on the break. I think there's either that or you go pack the midfield for the ball players, keep the ball away from them and try and do the same tactics you did in the second half of the first leg. But if it were me, I would be sure that that midfield make sure you win that midfield battle personally. Because if, if you don't let PSG have it all their own way in midfield, you know that Mbappe and Neymar aren't going to be tracking back to be pressing high to win that ball back. I don't see it with Rodri. I really, I really don't see it. I've tried seeing it all season and for every good game he has, I see at least two more. I'm not so sure that he's a better player than Fernandinho. I think the game is ultimately going to be decided by how Man City's fullbacks play because Neymar, I don't think you can stop him when he's at his best, but you can at least slow him down and that's all they need to do really before they can get the two, three, four players along that side that they need to do. 
Um, I think you I need thought, to keep the possession away from him. Well, City, um, PSG, I thought, made a mistake when we saw the first game of the season was one of the biggest cases I've seen where Bielsa had quite clearly said, we're going down Trent's side and we're going to get at him. And on the opposite way, I thought PSG should have been just getting the ball to Neymar at any time they possibly could in that first half where he did everything bar score and get him to do his work. But they didn't seem like they wanted to do that. They wanted to spread it out and kind of tackle him at all, all angles. So I guess we're going to need Neymar to turn up because if he doesn't score three, then Steve McMahon on commentary is going to say he's overrated. It is a real shame. It is a real shame the, uh, I know I've said it before, but the British pundits who don't like him because they're missing out on a really good player. He's so fun to watch. He he is the equivalent of, like, if we were on ITV today, the Ronaldinho that you'd be tuning in to see. Yeah. I only saw yeah, the other day, sure. the, year, the year Ronaldinho won the Ballon d'Or was his worst season in terms of output. But if you go on a compilation video, it's going to be the year that all the footage is from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, some, I saw it referred to as the eye test era. And that's essentially because Neymar does pass the eye test. He just doesn't necessarily pass the numbers test all the time. I mean, his stats ain't bad either. But yeah, no, yeah, no. absolutely. Is, he will have problems if, if Mbappe isn't playing or isn't fully fit. He will have some problems just because just that threat of him in behind does free up so much space for Neymar that, you know, having, I don't know, triple moting or whatever <laughs> instead of Mbappe is not... Do you think Di Maria... Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. Do you, think Di Maria, do you think Di Maria can offer a bit more in the second leg? Di Maria looks sensational in that in that first half. Um, mm. I mean, he's the definition of hot and cold, isn't he? Yeah, the last two games I've seen him play in the Champions League have been as good as I've ever seen him play. He just looks so direct. He looks confident in going at yeah, players. He yeah, looks yeah. a bit physically stronger than I remember him being, the way that he kind of bounces off challenges. So... Yeah, they'll need they'll need him to step up. He stepped up um, before they went out at Old Trafford um, two or three years ago, whenever it was. And they'll need a big game from him again. I think what might happen is we'll either see Mbappe start and come off injured or we'll see him come on if they can keep it tight enough. I think he's the type of guy who's going to force his way onto the pitch. And, he's, yeah, I could, I could see it. Moise Keane come on and save the day. Yeah. Um, so just to just check Jack, um, who do you think will go through? I think City, just because their strength at home, um, and they can play the game on their terms. They don't have to go chasing anything. I think obviously first goal is absolutely crucial. Here's to get that, then we've got a game on our hands. Yeah. Um, <sighs> it's difficult as well because I'm kind of willing. City to win because sometimes it's the devil you know. If if, if I'm looking thinking it, if it's a Chelsea hat on, if it's the devil yeah. you know, Tuchel and PSG might be. There is that, but I still I, I really don't like the prospect of facing up against Mbappe, Neymar, and Di Maria when he's on that kind of form either. Who who's your money on, Alex? I'm gonna go rogue, and I'm gonna go with PSG. You're not going rogue because I'm with you. PSG go through here. <laughs> I'd like them to yes <laughs> um, if we shift on then so we have Chelsea against Real Madrid on Wednesday evening 1-1 on aggregate and we spoke about PSG in that first half Chelsea really should have done that to Real in the first half and uh, given themselves a bit more leeway shouldn't they Jack yeah 
hundred percent. And I think that stinky gonna, miss. We're, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna ruin those chances. But um, I, I think like the the most of the media have got Real Madrid down and out here as if they're not a team that's won it thirteen times. Um, I know it's not specifically this team, but you've still got a midfield that's won it what four five times, four times, and that's going to come into play because you've got a very green Chelsea team here that is in their first season of all being together as this team. None of them have played in a Champions League final before, whereas you're going to be going up against a team that's been played countless times in the knockout stages of the Champions League football. So they're going to know how to manage a game. They're going to have that experience and this is where it kind of counts. And I do fret a little bit when I see that we absolutely tore them apart they did not, they've kind of matched our system when we threw it back and it just didn't work for them. And if we were a bit more clinical, we'd have gone at, at least 3 1 up. Um, gave up like what one opportunity to them and they took it. It's the only opportunity really they had of any kind of note. And it was still a half chance. It's all brilliance from him, from Benzema. So that's the, t- that's the kind of thing they can hurt you with. Like, if it falls to Benzema, you know he's putting it away and you give up one chance in the game and the chances are they're going to put it in the net. I don't think Chelsea have wow. much in the way of excuses to not win this second leg. I think they were the clearly better side. And it, they this uh, for all the, you know, Benzema, world-class player, undoubtedly. But I fear, I fear Neymar and Mbappe more than I fear Benzema. And no, I, I think- agree. I agree. I mean, if, you, if you're going to give me... I was happier with this draw in if I had drawn, if we'd drawn Man City or PSG, definitely, because they are mm. a Madrid team that we can get at. We've got the youth and exuberance of pace that they just don't have at the moment. Um, yeah, my, my, my point, my point is, is that of like I think Real Madrid are the weakest team left in the competition, um, but and they are the team that you definitely want to go on off track record. They are definitely a team you want to put down. And I, but what I'm trying to say is if Chelsea don't win this second leg, I think it's much more of a Chelsea bottle than it would be if City got knocked out by PSG or PSG got knocked out by City. I think it's there for the taking. You had the right. right idea in the first half. You just needed to see it off. I think you're right. I think it's, I wouldn't say so much as a bottle is a, is a missed opportunity because mm. I, I feel that we're talking about Real Madrid very disrespectfully here in the fact that <laughs> They aren't the same team as they have been with Ronaldo and winning it. But in the last decade, they've won this trophy, what, four or five times. Yeah, but um, how much of that guard is still there? Most of it. When you the entire at, midfield. Well, the, enti- the entire midfield. I mean, uh, haven't they still got injury problems? Benzema. Ramos back for the, Ramos back well, for the so, second leg. So Varane went off injured at the weekend. Right. Um, Valverde's still not fit from Corona. Marcelo might miss the game as he's taken part in civil service. Yeah, over be, in Spain, they're, duty, they're, they're going to try and That's get him over in a private plane on Wednesday morning, but they're not sure if they'll be able to how it works with the bubble and things. Um, how can they not get him out of Poland duty? By the way, it makes no sense. It's really strict laws. It's yeah, it's insane. Really, really strict, and obviously he got um, Spanish citizenship to stop to help with all the work visas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, just turned out that the day before Champions League semi-final. <laughs> yeah. Ramos. Can you go into your primary school? Like, I'd go into Avenue Community Centre and you see like Marcelo in there. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 
Shouldn't shouldn't you be in uh, shouldn't yeah. you be in London right now? <laughs> well, Madrid fans should um, be saying thanks. Fuck you, not. Yeah. Ramos He's and done. Mendy are back in training, and Hazard is fit. Well, that that worries me again because you've got a player there. In the Why? Group. Fit is a loose term, I think. <laughs> <laughs> there may be a letter wrong there. I think he's a dud. He's a dud. We all know that that's not true. And like, if it if, is, so when you know when you like played football with your mates when you was like younger, and then your schools had a match against each other, you usually play with, and you're going to go and play all your mates, and you want to have <laughs> top performance. That's the way he's going to be thinking. He's thinking, going back to Stamford Bridge, I love these guys, but I want to show them what they're missing. You don't want to go there and put in a fucking five out of ten performance. He's going all out for this. And that's, again, what I worry about, because when Hazard's on the pitch, regardless of his injury record, regardless of how he's, he's been playing since he went to Madrid, as you saw that season where he bagged the winner against Spurs into the top corner when he had a terrible season, he only needs a few seconds of magic and that can turn a tile on its head. I'm telling you, Zidane needs players sleeping outside his door because a Tuesday in London, if you think he's not getting on two for Tuesday, <laughs> you're very much mistaken. And so Hazard, when he's jiggling around the picture on Wednesday and you wonder why he's not looking fresh, <laughs> he had a double pepperoni and a meat feast. No, with lacquer. He was putting he was putting two slices one on top of the other and eating them like a pizza sandwich. <laughs> Some chicken kickers in the middle. Uh, it's it's weird, and I know um, Jack said about his disrespect in Madrid here, because subconsciously I think we do still kind of disrespect Zidane as a manager, and I think TK wrote an article on this before because. Everything on paper says that he's the guy you should be fearing as being a tactician and all of this, but we aren't really, we, are, we still don't really look at him like that. And I guess we'll know a couple of minutes into the game whether they're on it or not. Do you I, think I do because think he's if, just if, one of the of all star the teams, players. Well, of all the teams in the competition, if I had to bet on them for a one game performance, they'd be the team you'd be putting your money on. It's the experience factor, isn't it? Like I said, that if they go, if they get one goal, we're going to. There's just it. something in the DNA of that club. We've yeah, seen it with Spurs, that's, that's it. Exactly and we've that. seen it with Real Madrid. That's um, what both will do what they do. Where they, <laughs> they don't really, they care more about the Champions League than they ever did La Liga, and it's their sole focus, and they're built around it. So you'd be crazy to discount them, and. And like I said, we know where they're getting on a bit. But that midfield of Cruz, Modric, Casemiro is still pretty formidable. Something to look at. They they did have three nil-nils in April. So it's not like they're scoring freely. And the way Chelsea have been defending, maybe. But Yeah, I, I mean, I back us to get a result. I, I, I'm going in confident. I'm not fearful. Um, I could, but that, that could be a worse takes- mistake. A few seconds of either not concentrating or a mistake to let Real Madrid in, and I do. They got a top quality keeper. I know, obviously, he's hated amongst most Chelsea fans, but it doesn't take away from the fact he's a brilliant keeper. Um, and we got 
a fairly blunt strike force in the sense that we create a ton of chances but rarely take them. Verne is a conundrum, isn't he? Because he stretches the defence so wonderfully but doesn't do the bit that actually counts. It's Um, weird. It's because when he first started, the start of the season, he was putting away finishes that you attribute to who you thought Werner was. I must have missed this phase of the season, honestly. Well, there's the goal against Spurs in the League Cup that's starting off a scoring run where... Come on. It was just... It was brilliant. It was a great finish. And then you've got other... Plenty of just cool, calm finishes that look second nature. Like you didn't even think he was going to miss. There Hang on, off- you lost that game as well. We're not giving you credit for that. <laughs> there's, there's an, there was an offside goal he scored, which just... Oh. Jack, this, this gets worse and worse. A goal against Spurs in the League Cup and that you lost in an offside goal. But if we, we go back on to the actual fact of it, that he does bring so much to the team. So yeah, you're kind of damned if you don't play him because against this kind of tiring, ageing defence that Madrid have at the moment, especially without their key performers in there, you would hope that he would create enough chances and space for other players to shine. My my question was going to be is, if he carries on not putting in the back of the net, which obviously, if he's playing as a striker, is what he's there for. Do you think it actually works against him if Pulisic carries on playing well? Because you'd imagine Tuchel wants someone through the middle that's putting it in the back of the net. Yeah. And so it may be a case of Werner or Pulisic on the left-hand side. And he may, I mean, it doesn't look like he fancies Tammy or Giroud. But moving forward, he's definitely going to fancy someone that's putting it in the net as opposed to just stretching it for ultimately yeah. not to be a goal. It's a conundrum, isn't it? Because like, you start Giroud and you get great finishing ability. You know he's going to stick it away. But what you don't get, you get a very closed game where he can draw players into midfield and let the other two wide forwards run off him to create space but if that gets found out that he doesn't really offer you anything else gameplay wise because of just the legs and the style that we play it doesn't have that that speed Tammy God bless him but <laughs> he just looks like bad done out here he looks like he's just going to fall over every time he gets the ball <laughs> but again he finishes he's like not a bad finisher I think you should be quoting West Ham something like 60 million at the start of the window and tell them they're getting a bargain when you you ask them for 50 (laughs) after a month or so. He's a perfect West Ham player, I would say. Well, I think there's going to be a battle between us and you as to whether we can flog him Eddie and you can flog him Tammy. It's just which one of us gets the price down first. Don't think, I wouldn't rule out Liverpool having someone in there to flog to him either. They usually find someone. <laughs> Shakiri probably. <laughs> um, so, TK, if your money was on the line, would it be Real Madrid or Chelsea you'd be taking on uh, Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, to totally undermine the point I just made about don't let a team off the hook, I think I'm going to go with Chelsea. Um, I do think Again, a little bit similar to PSG, that, that start they had, they should have buried Madrid. And if there's one team you really don't want to let off the hook, it is it is Madrid because, of, as you boys have said, that history in the competition. Um, I just think Chelsea is just a bad matchup for them as well in terms of under Tuchel, how well he's got them playing in possession and how tight he can keep them at the back. I think in a game like this, 
it'll be close, but I think he he can get them to close this out. Uh, I would be interested to see how they would react if Madrid got a nearly goal. Because as Jack yeah. said, they're not the most experienced team in contrast to Madrid. Um, but I, yeah, it's weird. I just, just don't fancy this Madrid team as much after seeing that, that game against Chelsea. It's, it's weird. that if, if they have a game like they did against us in the first leg, when they played us off the park, admittedly, defensively, we're a lot looser than Chelsea, so it's slightly yeah. different. But if they can start with that intensity and, and Vinicius looks like an actual footballer, like he did <laughs> in that game, then they can cause Chelsea all sorts of problems. And I think, as ever, they are being disrespected, as we've touched on over here. I think we are overlooking them a little bit. But I will have Chelsea just about sneaking through, I think. I think mainly out of just how impressed I've been with what Tuchel's done so far, I think. Wait till that um, entrance music hits at Stamford Bridge on Wednesday, Jack, and they come out to it saying, by God, it's Callum Robinson. Which they brought him in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that'd be horrible. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Real Madrid. Um, I think it's, it's, it's tough to write them off and... I think Zidane finds a way. I, I won't put it down to Chelsea crumbling on themselves, but the way his career has gone, I've got images of Steve McManaman commentating over that mess from the first leg and then pinning the entire remaining 160 minutes on uh, on uh, Timo. So I'm going to go for Real Madrid sneaking through. Um, with a penalty, Rudiger's going to uh, foul Benzema. Alex, uh, yeah, I'm going to go. So, so I'm going to go in line with. Uh, I'm going to go in line with Luke here. I think TK hit the nail on the head when he sort of said it'd be interesting to see how Chelsea respond to going down a goal early, um, being as green as well. As Jack said they are as green as the team is. I'm going to go with Benzema getting an early goal and Real Madrid walking away with a uh, a 2-0 win. A lot of stinky misses coming up, <laughs> I think, for the Chelsea game when they start to try and chase it. And, I'll be honest, uh, Alex, it doesn't make me feel good that we've picked the same team in both games. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're covered because TK's jinxing it in one way and we're jinxing there it in the go. other. So. Yeah. <laughs> do we ask you, Jack, or do you, do you not want to uh, risk anything? I'm not risking shit. He has I said he's going in their confidence. Yeah. So he's as good as made to pick. I'm not saying anything. Finn Novarad right, as well could be, a, could be a problem yeah. for him. Even if Ramos is back, he's not going to be fully fit, is he? So. Um, if we then go to the Premier European competition, <laughs> um, that is Thursday night football. Um, Arsenal against Villarreal. Um, the inexperienced one against the ugly one we did see. <laughs> on Thursday the disgusting man against the man I'm disgusted with <laughs> we were doing we were doing the Thursday pod um, my mate texts me saying it doesn't look like we're lining up with any strikers here and as Jack can attest it's not like I could really kind of take a moment to kind of take it in because Keenan and Shoot decided to do a podcast where they actually just chose not to talk on Thursday. So <laughs> it's a did have to, we did have to fill a lot of the air. So I didn't really have to take it in, but I think I missed the first five minutes of the game and Arsenal were already one nil down by that point. It, 
it was as horrible a performance as it could possibly be. Um, <laughs> you, you, your biggest game of the season and you line up with a formation we haven't played before. I do Pep Pet played it the night before and it must just be because of that. I can't think of any other Do you reason. genuinely think, I've seen Arsenal fans saying that, do you genuinely think he's watched that and gone, you know what, we'll try it. It's it's the most logical explanation because there is no logic otherwise. <laughs> Usually you you play a false nine and it makes sense. So when Germany did it in the World Cup, you had Goethe. When City do it, they've got Foden or they've got De Bruyne. Midfielders who do get goals from midfield. El Nenny scoring yesterday was only the third goal by a midfielder all season for us. Christ. So it's not like we've got goals piling in from midfield and it makes a whole load of sense. Like, I, I, I didn't get it. Before I knew it, it was 2-0 down. And I can, I can say for the record now, Arteta out. Wow. I was so sickened by Thursday's performance. And the cherry on top was Sabios being books in the first half. Everyone could see that yeah. the second yellow was coming. Two minutes in, well, 60 seconds into the second half, he commits a foul. And it's like, they've let you off here. It was like kids football where the ref would say, come on, sub him off so I don't have to send him off. Yeah, for sure. He had the opportunity. And for some reason, he just decided to leave him on there just for the thrill of it. I said that it would be the 64th minute. I was four minutes out. <laughs> And I put no portion of that blame onto Tobias. None. If a bloke, if <laughs> if a bloke's an idiot, <laughs> you can't complain when he gets a maths question wrong. <laughs> There's an yeah. easy joke to make yeah. about Sean there, but we'll leave it. <laughs> <laughs> with with that, you know what he's doing. Like you can't. It's it's not on him then if he carries on doing what he always does because. Arteta said at half-time he told him to be careful. Clearly 60 seconds in, he's shown you he's not respecting that opinion. And then to make it worse, he tries blaming it on Martinelli. If you watch the interview back, he says, oh, well, I did plan to take him off just after that, but Gabby wasn't, Gabby wasn't ready yet. Oof. He's gone down the road, and I said this with um, Jose before he was sacked where he, the only players he blamed was the red cards, where, in fairness, they were idiotic red cards. I didn't really have too much of a stance against that. In the last couple of weeks, he's, he said, when you look at everything, he said, oh, well, when you go 1-0 down after four minutes, that's why my formation didn't work, because it already puts you on the back foot. There was a couple of things where it was just like, given you all the chances in the world here, there's not a lot more that I can say. When... This Villarreal team play a notoriously high line in the 4-4-2. Every breakdown you would have read before Thursday's game would have told you that. So we play with no strikers and we leave our quickest winger on the bench. If you're not having Aubameyang playing, if you're not having Lacazette playing, if you're not having Eddie playing, who I'm glad he wasn't, and you're not ready to risk Balogun, Martinelli seems... A fairly obvious pick to have in there. He, he hates him. Uh, he must. You look at all of our last performances. He's the best player on the pitch when he plays, just because of how direct he is. And I somewhat understand when, because he he actually spoke yesterday about why it works better 
with a different fullback to Tierney at left back when you're having Martinelli playing there. Because Tierney wants to overlap and Martinelli is the type of winger that hugs the touchline. And so one kind of gets in the other's way. Is that not your job as a coach to get all your best players into the same team? Mm. Or if that is the case, Aubameyang prefers coming in from the edge of the area, play Aubameyang on the left, play Martinelli through the middle. If, 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 we, can, if we can work it out, then it shouldn't be that difficult. They've got Raul Albiol at centre-back, who's about 56 years old, <laughs> pulling a wagon behind him. And we didn't run at him. And a couple of times we did run at him. We had a goal ruled out for a handball, was as blatant a handball as you'll see on the replay. And we got, by all means, a soft penalty. But I've seen enough go against us in the last couple of weeks where I don't feel bad about that at all. Thursday, sorry, is the biggest game of his career and I hope he treats it like that because I do think he's been given assurances from someone where they've said essentially, you're safe regardless. Um, I I don't think regardless of the result that he will be sacked, but the only way to keep his job is if he wins the Europa League because it's pretty hard to sack someone after they get you in the Champions League. (laughs) But the lineup is going to say a lot because 2 1 down, I saw some Arsenal fans celebrating like it's a good result. It's a better result than it could have been, but it wasn't a good result. Yeah, that away goal has really changed the tie. The dread- well, that, that was Emery, clearly didn't learn his lessons because they were battering us. Every set piece they had, they nearly scored. And then at half time, he takes off Paco Alcacer and brings on Coquelin. The bloke <laughs> is a maniac. <laughs> If I'm picking the team Thursday, Saka starts at left-back, Granite Jack is back into midfield, Martinelli is on the left, Aubameyang through the middle, Pepe on the right, Emil Smith-Rowe through the middle, and Erdegaard on the bench. That's my team for Thursday. And I don't think you'll find many Arsenal fans complain if you've got Martinelli, Aubameyang, Pepe up top. Part of me thinks he's going to try this stupid formation again to prove a point. You reckon? When we played the system against Sheffield and then played against uh, Slavia Prague the next couple of days, it made sense because our league campaign is pretty much done. Well, it is done. Um, And so you you try something out the week before, you get the players equipped with the formation and then you go from there. Four days to, to initiate a completely new system and players playing in positions they've not played before just strange. David Louise going off injured yesterday is a big miss as well. Because in the 25 minutes or so he had, he showed exactly what we miss when he doesn't play. The way he was switching the ball out to Martinelli from defence, the, the way he makes um, Gabriel better at the back with that understanding they have. I think it should be Chambers and Gabriel at centre-back. They had 20 minutes to, uh, well, sorry, uh, 65 minutes together yesterday. And I think they're the two best available options. Rob Holding, you know my thoughts on him. And Mari, as I've said, he's a three million, he's, he's a top end three million pound defender. He was at fault for two of the goals on Thursday. <laughs> I'm not having that again. <laughs> oh, just. I was so sick of it on Thursday. I went to sleep. I dreamt that I had a fight with Ceballos. 
<laughs> I was that annoyed when I went to sleep. <laughs> I was just so knackered that I went straight to sleep afterwards. And I'm a COVID jab on top of that, so maybe that, that had something to do with it. But it's just so infuriating that trying things out, trying to be too smart in a game like that. Do any of you think we go out on Thursday? No. I don't worry if you would say that. I think, like, you've shown that once you get a team back to the Emirates, especially in the Europa League, it all changes. Uh, well, even though there's no fans there, I think... I don't know if it's just teams being, like, overawed with it, maybe. I don't know. Our home record's been horrible this season. Which, which way round did you play Red Star? We played away in the second leg against ah, Prague. Okay. Yeah, we we, we fell over the line against Olympiakos at home yeah, <laughs> when we had a two-goal lead. Discount everything I just said. You go. <laughs> I mean, we, our last two games at home were uh, a loss to Everton and a draw with Fulham. Well, uh, kind of guess what Jack was getting at though. When it and it has mattered in these games in the Europa League, you have found a way through. Yeah. Um, largely based on you are a better team than these other teams. It's just a case of kind of falling over the line and finding it. I I think you will get through, but I'm not as convinced as... Like, I saw some of the uh, fan reaction to it, and it was kind of like, well, Villarreal is shit. We just happened to be shitter for a bit, and we kind of came through it. I think they're a slightly better team than some of your fans think. And sure. you're not a particularly good team. So there's... I think you'll get through. I think you'll have enough... Um, and if he gets the team selection right, you know, the people like Martinelli and Yang should be able to score plenty of goals against these. But I, I don't know that it's going to be just a case of Arsenal just need to turn up. I think it's going to be harder than some of the fans think. Uh, I think I think he starts Yang and Arsenal win 2-0. Comfortable win. Yeah. The issue is that um, when he first came in, we gave him the benefit of the doubt and said mm. that the goals had dried up because he was shoring things up defensively. Things aren't shored up defensively anymore and we're still not scoring goals. Yeah, yeah, that's it, isn't it? He's had it over a year now to get things right and they clearly aren't right. I mean, it's a battle of a team selection. That, that back four and then the false nine is just... Well, full-backs are the most the... important positions on the pitch now, aren't they? And we had Granit Xhaka and Hector Bellerin. No, Granit Chambers. Xhaka and uh, Callum Chambers, sorry. Yeah. Bellerin played yesterday. Re- regardless, I mean, he's had Bellerin, it's not great. But yeah, it's. I don't know why he, he did that lineup. It's not did himself any favours. I don't know if, like you said, it's trying to look clever or what, but it's kind of get the game won and try and look clever on another day, I think. It's, the the thing with the Sabiles thing is, it, the worrying thing about Arteta is that's one of the most basic things of knowing when a player needs to be taken off to for their own good. Well, it happened yesterday. If he's not got that, that's a concern. In the game yesterday, um, Granit Xhaka got booked um, fairly early on. And then whoever he was on, uh, it may have been Jacob Murphy, um, went past him and he body-checked him. And it was like, oh, is he going to get the second yellow now? And he left him on again. And it was like, if there was ever a case to say, I've learnt my lesson, this is it. Now, I understand you've got to trust your players, but there's certain players you trust and there's certain players you say, I've seen enough before here to know, to know how this goes. Granit Xhaka is not one of those ones that you put your trust in. No, definitely not. 
So it, it made little sense to me. If I had to put money on it, I do think we're at the better side, just not by much. I I trust them to come with a better plan and hopefully we've got enough uh, individual brilliance and moments to kind of uh, get us out of it. Pepe and Saka were really a two-man band doing all the work on Thursday and I think we'll need that again and just hopefully no stupidity at the back. If I had to predict the lineup, I think it'll be Xhaka at left-back still, uh, Al Nenny in the middle with um, Partey is how I think he'll go. But we'll see. Okay. Um, Has everyone said anything? Alex thinks we'll go through. Jack thinks we'll go out. TK thinks we'll go through. Am I right there? Yeah. Do do we need to say much about United Roma? I think United will get through. (laughs) (laughs) So just in conclusion then. um, It'd be interesting if there's a protest and stops that game. A game where they might get to a final of a tournament that would be fascinating got a feeling well, it might not in, in closing then we'll we'll cover the Canada fight next week after, after the fact um, and a bit of the NFL then but the Premier League Hall of Fame the first two inductees were announced last week we've got Alan Shearer and Thierry Henry as uh, the first names in I can run through the other names that were up for the list there and I'll just tell you you can just tell me if you think the right first two were inducted so Tony Adams, David Beckham Dennis Burkamp, Sol Campbell Eric Cantona, Andy Cole, Ashley Cole Didier Drogba, Les Ferdinand Rio Ferdinand, Robbie Fowler Steven Gerrard, Roy Keane, Frank Lampard Letitia, Michael Owen Peter Schmeichel, Paul Scholes, John Terry Robin Van Persie, Nemanja Vidic, Patrick Vieira and Ian Wright do you think the right two were inducted? Yeah, I think so. It's pretty yeah, comfortable. It's hard. I think I think you have to put in. I think the only alternative to to Thierry Henry, I don't think you take Shearer out, but the only alternative to Thierry Henry is you put Bergkamp is Bergkamp in. What? I'm not sure about that. For I don't think he's the next guy along the league. No, but. I mean, look, surprisingly, Birdcamp gets into you. Birdcamp, I think when they, when it was the Premier League anniversary and they were doing the the best ever Premier League eleven, I think it was quite a like an all around agreed opinion that Birdcamp gets into the all time starting eleven for the Premier League. Didn't Omri and Shearer be the front two for that? No, Shearer didn't make it. I'm pretty sure. I think there was one on the panel. Mental if he didn't. I mean, he essentially got the best Premier League player and the Premier League top scorer there. That's what they were. Yeah, I, I, the reaction for it wasn't good. I remember one of the pundits, I can't remember who it was, was absolutely fuming that they didn't have Shearer in there. But, but well, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Thierry Henry that made it in there and not Shearer. The the biggest thing here was supposedly it was going to be Ryan Giggs in, ahead of Henry before Giggs's uh, <laughs> sentencing uh, came out, which is insane. You essentially crediting a player for just hanging around long enough. I, I mean, for, for what it's worth, the other circumstances aside, I think he's the next guy that would be on the list for me. If you were to say three people have to go into this Hall of Fame, I think they're pretty clear standouts. And I'm someone who has always questioned how good gigs actually was. But if you look at it, he's won the Prem more than anyone. He's made more appearances than anyone, than Gareth Barry, I believe. I think he's the top appearance. And I'm not going to make a case of Gareth Barry going in his first ballot. So I think he probably is the next guy in line. 
it's going to be slippery because there are a number of people on that list who have been either accused of things or have been found guilty of things and they're still being nominated uh, a certain Chelsea, cap- certain Chelsea captain on the list um, Stephen Gerrard's that is, is misdemeanors there Roy Keane's fairly well documented um, Rio Ferdinand missing a drugs test don't know if Gerald and Keane are quite in the same no no I'm just saying these lads with some of the no, absolutely, absolutely not I'm just saying I don't know where the what line is where, going to be drawn. What their way around it is. Um, because usually it's kind of, well, they well, just go down of, the line. That's not right. It's not a Hall of Fame for the nicest bloke. No, no. So, Which I is guess... why usually they kind of say, this is just for the things on the pitch. And I guess the way they go about it usually is, they wouldn't have gigs in this time. They'd let maybe the next season ones go. And then they'd try and sneak him in. So further down the line, they say Premier League Hall of Famer. Always crazy, yeah, that, isn't it? That basically, just a few years down the line, these crimes are a lot less serious. We just forget about it. Well, it's not they they sneak these guys in like the WWE and the NBA Hall of Fame. And uh, look, Carl Malone's in. So yeah, they just wait until something come out and then they strip them of the title. If anything, is how it tends to go. Um, next man up on the list. Who do you think, TK, of from what we've got there? So I just said gigs. If I had to pick someone else, he yeah, he's, he's no longer like because he's been list of, out yeah. of there. I mean, Terry is going to be up there. Yeah. Um, Skulls is probably for the similar reason to gigs. I don't necessarily like it. Um, is that Frank. Frank is not a bad shout. I mean, look, I, I'm not normally the one to go out to bat for him. Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be near there because I think he's probably the only one who's going to get... He's, you're not going to make the case that he's uh, above Henri, but he's probably the only one who gets near when you say he was the best player to play in the Premier League. I think you have to be retired to. before they'll consider you. Sorry, OK. Ignore all of that then. Rooney, maybe. Yeah. I think he's probably got to be a contender to be yeah, the next sure. guy. I'm assuming you think JT, Jack. I'd probably say so, just from the balance of they haven't got a defender yet. And uh, is, is Vidic in? No, no. And like to have the highest scoring defender, then it's one at all. You'd probably Does Ashley to... Cole have more in his resume than Terry? Um, he's got most of the things Terry has, plus an invincibles. Yeah, that's true. That's not a bad shout. That's not a bad shout at all because you've got to think as well that Ashley Cole made the left back right synonymous. No one really thought about it. I don't think there's ever a place where they put Ashley Cole in over Terry just for the balance. So I just think that's. No, I wouldn't say that. If you were kind of putting it down on paper. Yeah. Just because of the dominance of that position, is it compared to the left back? You wouldn't rule out Schmeichel either. There's somewhere you're pretty confident it's not going to be there. Van Persie. How he's made the list baffles me. He had two good seasons. <laughs> um, I, to be honest, I was surprised that Burkamp made made the list. Not because he's not a better player than the majority of them on the list. Just how how you, was the list compiled? Out of curiosity, sorry. It's you have to have made over. I think it's either two hundred appearances for one club, won the league. 
there, there was a number of things. But, but who who's voting for this? Sorry. Oh, I think they just the pundits or whoever it is in the Premier League just put this list of names and would like vote on these basically. So it wasn't like a fan driven thing. No, but fans have been included in the vote for the next yeah. three yeah. that go in. I think. Fair enough. So I just think as much as I love him, Robbie Fowler being in there is a a loose one when you look at some of the people that are probably going to be ahead of him in the queue. Yeah, I think on the ballot you had to, you had to pick four names. I think for the next one, even been six. Yeah, so I know I was. It's I know I was quite surprising fair to me he'd be one of them. I thought I was quite fair with who I picked. So I put um, Tony Adams, Burkamp, Sol Campbell, Patrick Vieira, <laughs> pretty Ian Wright, and Frank Lampard. <laughs> so yeah. Um, there's a number of these on here, but I, I don't know when they're announcing who is who has been put forward for it, so we'll have to wait and see. To improve it, do you, I think there should be more kind of things there, like there should be maybe the moments being put in the Hall of Fame. I guess they'll have managers and things in at some other points as well. Just the barometers as they have them at the moment misses out a lot of the things that we'll remember about the Premier League. The moments one, I think, is quite a big one if they can uh, find a way to bring that in. Yeah, because you can have someone like Tony Yeboah there who definitely ain't getting in the Hall of Fame. Exactly, (laughs) yeah. Just some of these these things like the memorable Premier League moments in in the last however long. I mean, you remember, let's say, Czech Teote's equaliser in the 4-4 against Arsenal more than you remember even some of the players the Lanzini against Spurs this list yeah well um get Federico Makeda in there oh yeah yeah you would have to have it <laughs> the uh a good segment for us one week could be the best uh best borderline Hall of Famer so you know like in boxing there's a thing that yeah should Arturo Gatti really be in there we could all come in with who do we think are borderline hey, Hall of Famer we can do that next week yeah, there you go. Don't say uh, TK doesn't bring anything to the pod, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, I think that does just about do us. So um, unless anyone has anything else to add, we'll go in next week as to whether Tuchel um, is more of a Chelsea legend than Frank after this season, if uh, Arteta is ever going to be sacked. If you go out this week, um, and if Man United will protest anything. So we'll see how we go next week. But until then, thanks as always for listening. We'll be back next week. Movie Madness on Friday. And check out the interview me and Jack did last week, which is up on YouTube, Spotify, and all that business now. Until then, adios.